Welcome back to the Balance Bowley Podcast. I'm your host, Nikita Renthigpen. Excited to be back with you again. Here we are still in Women's Health Month. And if I have to pop my collar, wearing a t-shirt today, but I'm popping anyway. It's National Social Workers Month. So for all of you that are out there serving and showing up fully for your clients, whether you're on the clinical, direct care, or the political side, we thank you and we honor you for your work. Clap, clap. Try not to make noise with my maracas in the background so the editor slash my husband doesn't get upset. All right, everybody. I have been waiting, waiting to interview this gentleman. First and foremost, I already had to tell him that he's one of the few people, author and artist, that my son, who we love to life, actually read. <laughs> so there's that part. Let me introduce you to Austin Cleon, New York Times bestselling author of Still Like an Artist and multiple other reads after that. His book has been called Brilliant. His work has been riveted across every single featured publication you can think of. And he happens to do a lot of speaking and creative support and consultation for companies like Pixar, Google, TEDx, you name it. He's been there, done that, ordered t-shirt and a ball cap to that. When he is not showing up here for you at the BBP, the Balance Bully Podcast, he is making sure he checks in with his wife and his sons. Austin, welcome to the Balance Bully Podcast. How are you today? I am delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. You know I am super excited for all the reasons that I shared with you in the green room before we got started. I would love for you to tell everyone about your new edition of your book, your 10-year anniversary of the book yeah. that my son actually read, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, that's the biggest compliment to me. Uh, I actually hear from a lot of people who say, you know, I don't like to read books, but I read your book, which I think other authors would be like, well, I want people who do read books to read my books, and I'm the opposite. I want to hook the people who don't it's not as easy so a huge compliment to me yeah it's um the 10th anniversary of still like an artist which is a little book i wrote 10 years ago it was sort of a it began as a talk i gave to some students mm -hmm. um and you know you mentioned my wife before she sort the shadow editor of all of my work um and when i was asked to give a talk to some community college students in upstate new york you know, I was 27 years old. I wasn't that much older than some of the students in the audience. So I wasn't really sure what to say to them. And we went for a walk and my wife told me, well, you know, the best talk I ever heard was a woman got up and just listed 10 things she wished she had known when she was a student. Mm. I said, that's great. I'll steal that. <laughs> so I wrote this talk called Steal Like an Artist, which was everything that I sort of wished I had heard when I was 19. Um, and then that talk went over well, but I'm an elder millennial. So I'm sort of on the, I, I remember life before the internet, but have lived most of my life on it. Yeah. And so if it didn't happen online, does it exist? So um, I turned the text of the talk and slides into a blog post and then that went viral. Mm -hmm. And that became my second book. Um, and, and Steal Like an Artist sort of took off and did very well and changed my life. And I wrote two more books in the series, um, show your work and keep going. Mm -hmm. And now I have a life where I write full time and make art and help other people write and make their art too. <laughs> no, I absolutely love it. Um, I was rereading your book just to make sure, you know, I could keep up with everything and see all the nuances. And I love that you pretty much kept everything 
the same as the first edition. I didn't yes. notice. And you might have made some editorial changes, but I didn't see anything noticeable. Yeah. One of the things that stood out for me amongst many was when you said step away from the screen and build your world, which who knew 10 years ago <laughs> you would be speaking so vocally to so many of us who have a hard time, whether you're a full-time entrepreneur like I am, building an empire, or you're working at a nonprofit really passionate about the work that you're doing, but you feel like you're stuck to the screen and not actually able to enjoy the life that you're working so hard to create. Yeah, um, I think that we connection is not our issue right now as far as connecting with the wider world. Mm -hmm. What's very hard is con to connect with our local world. That's the our neighborhood, our family, our friends, the stuff that's right in front of us. That seems to be the stuff that's harder to connect with right now than the stuff that's far away or or, or digital. And for me, it's it's this time where you can take stuff in all day. Yeah. You know, it's just like you can just d devour influence and inspiration. You could be online 24-7, be taking all this stuff in. But, you know, it's harder and harder to make the time to disconnect from the wider world so you can connect with yourself. Yeah. And I think that's the primary challenge when someone wants to do creative is you literally have to make a time and a space in the day in which you will sit somewhere and no one can get at you and you sit there with your own thoughts and everything that you've taken in and you try to make something of that. Mm -hmm. And I think that has been the challenge. It's not as new of a challenge as you might think, right. you know, I mean, Writers have complained about being distracted for hundreds of years. <laughs> you know, I remember th there was a great part. I was reading Henry David Thoreau's journal, and, and there's a part where he complains about reading a weekly newspaper. Oh. But that takes him too much away from his day-to-day -day life. So he decided to stop, uh, stop reading the weekly newspaper so he could focus on his own work. <laughs> thought that's hilarious because nowadays a weekly newspaper seems about the right amount mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> of news right and so it's like uh it's just funny how it changes but you know the more things change the more they say the same but it's always hard to sit down it's always been hard to sit down with nothing and try to make something absolutely no my <laughs> husband is a writer too when he's not editing and i like how you said shadow editor i'm gonna start yes. using that for him yes um, <laughs> i'm the beautiful one he is absolutely brilliant one when it comes to <laughs> to all the things and as a writer as a creative who doesn't like to borrow you know from other things but also wants to be inspired i think uh -huh. sometimes the challenge that comes up when we're in our conversations because i'm a non-traditional creative i don't uh -huh. i can't draw i'm not the traditional writer like a singer dancer all of that my creativity is in how i synthesize information and how i help yeah. couples amplify their intimacy ultimately yeah and when we're having those powwow conversations he's like uh, wait, that's too much information right now. And I have a thought you're going to throw me off, like back up. And you put, you pointed out something in your book. Um, when I was flipping through the pages and reading that nothing is, is original, right? Everything is autobiographical. At some point you're speaking to a past version of yourself. And even for the things you think you created, I thought I create, I, I create a lot of words cause I don't always 
talk well, so I talk kind of funny. Um, so I thought I made up a word called careerpreneur, and I was so serious. Wrote a quick little book about it, just a few, you know, dreamer to believer steps. And then I happened to look it up, and I was like, "There's two other books named careerpreneur <laughs> that have my word that downloaded yeah. into my spirit that I thought I made up." And my <laughs> husband is often saying, "Like that's why you can't talk to me when I'm in the zone. I don't want to take your idea thinking that mm. it's mine, which is yeah. opposite of what." you're really teaching. Right. It's, it's an intentional influence, right? right? It's, it's influence is something that's not passive, but active. Yeah. Uh, part of the problem with English speakers is that the grammar, we don't really have a grammar for influence. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is you'll hear people say like, Oh, well I'm influenced by Picasso. Uh Well, that makes it sound like Picasso did something. When it was actually you did something, you looked at a lot of Picassos and then you took inspiration from them. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of Steal Like an Artist is about the reason I like the word steal, which is fairly controversial and Mm -hmm. still is, um, is that it's a it's a direct kind of um, it's an action thing. It's 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 about casing the joint. You know, kind of looking for the stuff that you can use and then taking it and doing something with it. Um, And so that that to me was enormously helpful to me as a young person is to not just be ambiently influenced by whatever comes around, but to actively seek influence and to just go deeper on stuff than than other people would, um, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and to really be a student that. That's something that comes out. You know, one of my favorite, one of my favorite lines in the book is from the RZA, who's like, mm-hmm. you know, whether I went to school or not, I would always study. And there's that sense that the true artist is a, is a real student of the form, yeah, and goes deep and will. That's why I always loved like crate digging uh, in hip hop and and DJing. Yes. This idea of like, how much will you dig? Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. you can scratch. It's like digging and scratching, you know, like how, how, Mm -hmm. yeah. How deep can you go back and, and to find the, the, the nugget, you know? And, and I've, I feel like that, that is so much of what the book is about is it's about being a student, but a self directed, self motivated student. Absolutely. I'm sitting here thinking like Austin is creating a healthy debate tonight. I can already hear it coming up with my husband (laughs) because as you're breaking it down and you're explaining, a hundred percent is exactly what he means. Like when he's intentionally trying to be a student and, you know, absorb, that's when he has the space for it. But I happen to work from home full time for the last 11 years. So I just come down and knock into his space when he's in the zone, like, Hey honey, uh, do you want some tea? Right. Like I'm coming in and he's like, Uh I'm trying to walk right about (laughs) a criminal mystery. And you're talking about peppermint tea. Get out of (laughs) here. Right, exactly. <laughs> Have you seen Phantom Thread? Have you watched that movie? No. With Daniel Day Lewis. There's a point at which she brings him some tea. Oh. <laughs> and he's like, "Get out of here!" And he's and she's like, and and as she leaves, she, he says, "The tea is leaving. The interruption is still here." <laughs> he's, he's like, "Get out!" But you reminded me, you know, oh, as someone who's moment. married to a. A creative, you know, being married to a creative person is so so difficult. You might you might like Phantom Thread. I love that movie. It's I'm very dark, it and, and it's very uh, it's it's about a um, it's about a dressmaker mm-hmm. 
and his relationship with this new woman and how she sort of manipulates him into into being around and not being a hundred percent into his dressmaking. It's it's oh, I won't no. say anymore. I, I think you'll like it. It's, it's will, twisted. It's I good. will watch it and not watch it with him before he says you're the <laughs> you're the woman with the tea. <laughs> maybe or maybe uh maybe yeah we'll see. We'll <laughs> yeah, see maybe. who you uh we'll see who you um who you identify with. <laughs> I will and then I'll send you send you an email through the, yes, the circle to me. let you know. Tell me how you like it. So you were um I definitely will you made some really good distinctive points, which I know had to come from a personal space. And as you said, because nothing is original, everything is autobiographical. You're clearly talking to a younger version of yourself, right? Like when you're on the stage originally, you know, pouring into the folk before you turned it into um, a a book. I was going to say a movie, but maybe movie (laughs) for the book. Boy, I wish. I'd like some option money. That would be nice. Listen, (laughs) everybody out here listening, you heard them. I know we got some major filmmakers and some connectors out here that are listening. You talked about imposter syndrome. Yeah, which is not common for men to talk about. <laughs> it is very common for all humans to experience, but usually inside the female circuit is where we right. talk about, you know, battling it, extinguishing it and all the things. And you talked about it from the original, you know, psychological definition of when people are basically unable to internalize their accomplishments, right? Right, right. Um, and in layman's terms, when they feel like they're a phony, um, virtually yes. an, an imposter. Yes. No matter how much they've amassed and how much they've accomplished, this new thing that they're working on, this new way of being that they're trying to step into feels false to them because they haven't really yeah. felt like they deserved it and have earned it. When you were going through the your various stages over the last almost, well, not even almost 10 years at this point, from point A, book one, to all the books and journals and things in between, to the 10-year anniversary. Was that something that came up for you, or was it only something that you felt like you were challenged with when you were very new to this world? Mm. Great, great topic. I mean, what's the joke? God give me the confidence of a mediocre white man. (laughs) Um... Never heard that one. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, I mean, like, you know, I think that the thing, the thing is, is, you know, Ira Glass has a great talk where he talks about, you know, when you start out, there's just this enormous gap between your taste, which is up here and your talent, Mm -hmm. you know, which is down, you're just not, you can't, and trying to close that gap or, or get in, you know, get up there is so much of the early work and a lot of it, you sort of have to fake it till you make it. You know, you really have, there's a certain amount of self delusion (laughs) in the beginning Mm -hmm. as to, you know, to give yourself permission that I'm going to try to do this. Like who, who tries to be an artist, you know, I mean, like that's just such a crazy thing, right? you know? And, um, and it's actually in other books, it's something I often tell people, you know, forget the noun, do the verb. So whatever it is that you want to be, if you want to be a great artist, don't tell anyone that and don't say it to yourself. Just say, what are the verbs involved in that? So if you want to be a painter, don't worry about being a great painter. Just worry about painting Mm. and spend as much of your time as you can in doing that. And so whenever I thought like, I want to be a writer, 
that's usually when I go off the rails sometimes, yeah. you know, but if I just think about writing, that's, that's like doable, you know, but as far as imposter syndrome goes, I don't know that you ever get over it because there's such, in order to get anywhere new, mm -hmm. you have to kind of not know what you're doing, Absolutely. You, you know, to get to, to, to discover anything that's going to advance you in some kind of way, you've got to kind of be venturing into the unknown, yeah. you know? And I think that my growth as a creative person over the past 10 years has just been getting comfortable with that not knowing, being comfortable with uncertainty, being comfortable with the blank page, whether it's a literal blank page or the metaphoric, you know, blank page of life, you know? Oh, and I love this. Yeah. You, you brought up a couple of points that gives me the perfect segue, but before I do it, the bridge for me is you use the quote unquote provocative controversial word of steel, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, what I'm known for is helping people be intentionally selfish. So you, you know, oh. I get all kinds of bottles thrown at me metaphorically, right? right? Like, what? Like we're that. not supposed to be selfish. We're supposed to be right, selfless. Right, right. But something that you just brought up about, you know, making sure you have space to, mm -hmm. to do the verb to embrace the verb and not overly focus on the noun does mean you have to create space for the acknowledgement that you are becoming someone else that you, yeah. you, you've had to heal and grow from other parts of you, the, the 15 year old version, the 22 year old version, the third, you know, yeah. so on and so forth. And for me, what intentionally selfish is, is really giving yourself that gift of the space so you can create your joy, which in your terms would be create your own world. Um, right. which is very similar. So I have to ask you for all the ways of being that you've become, and I'm sure it's not been one big leap from year, nine years ago to the 10th year, you've had ebbs and flows of who you are. How have you created that space and giving yourself permission to pause so you can be ready for the next new blank page and have the strength to tackle that next new way of being? You know, it's funny because I was going to, when you were, when you were first asking that, I was going to say, well, that's why I like being a writer, because if I open my notebook, mm -hmm. that is a space that I go to. And that is a blank, that is a pause in life. Whenever, when the notebook is open, it becomes almost like a walled garden that it's a protected space, like no one else is there. And so... You know, I was going to answer like, well, I open my notebook and say, you're here for the next 45 minutes and you're here to make something happen or, mm -hmm. or let something happen, actually. Let, yeah. You know, I think that's I think that's the other thing that's happened to me over the years is I used to think that artists made something happen, that forced something to happen. And I think now a lot of creative work is clearing space creating a space in which things can come forth mm -hmm. rather than you're you know trying to push something into being you're actually making the space so that things can appear and i've always loved that there's a there's a feminist thinker that i really has inspired me her name was ursula franklin and she was a canadian writer and she wrote a lot about technology but one of the things she said that's really beautiful that sticks with me all, always is that silence is a space for something to happen. Mm. So if you think about a conversation, um, when you 
pause and you don't speak, you create silence, and then that becomes a space almost as if the space is an invitation. Mm-hmm. You know, you're inviting the other person to fill the space simply by pausing and and letting them go. And so I think of space in different ways, you know, clearing space. It could be something as, 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 as simple as I'm going to clear this table off and this is going to be where I work on my thing this week, or I'm going to, you know, pull everything off the cork board and this is going to be the new, the new book is going to start here. You know, like whatever it is, there's something about clearing space that that invites things to come. Absolutely. And for me, when you're intentionally selfish enough to take the time to clear the space, to give yourself that permission to pause, that's when you get to allow all those new downloads or people or places or things, whatever that is to come in. Um, Oh my goodness, Austin, I could talk to you forever, (laughs) but you know where I stand as a balance and relationship advisor. I have to make sure that you have a break between now and your, your next interview today. So before we end, how can people connect with you and where can they get your book? Um, well, I would hope that you, uh, if you have a, a local independent bookstore mm-hmm. that you would walk or ride or drive over there and spend some time there in what I call the serendipity of the stacks. Cause I don't think there's anything more magical than going to a bookstore or a library and mm-hmm. just letting yourself be kind of pulled to different books. Um, as great as, you know, the online world is. I think there's something about a bookstore and a library. So I hope you check it out that way. As far as contacting me or getting in touch with me, um, I'm very easy to find. I'm austincleon.com. And that's where my blog is. And that's where my newsletter is. And that's really my main hangout online. So you can, y'all can stop by and say hello. No, I love this. Yeah. And now <laughs> I have to get show your work. Um, and the Still Like an Artist Journal at for my yeah. son for his 26th birthday. Oh, yeah, That's yeah. That's coming up in a few months. So he'll have mm-hmm. more things. He can say, hey, I actually read yeah. this, Mom. Don't be mad at me. <laughs> and when he gets old enough, you can get him to keep going, which yeah. is the third. Uh, yes, that's right. And I did see that and keep going. Oh, he might yeah, get a stack yeah. of books. Uh, all right. Thank you for that. <laughs> they do make handy gift items. <laughs> they do. We literally gave him that to 22nd or 23rd. We gave him your book. And I think we gave him maybe a couple hundred dollars in cash because he wanted to get some more paint supplies. And we were like, well, here you go. Because we can't just give him money. We just we just couldn't do it. So <laughs> That's what I tell people. I said, give him a copy of this hardcover and stick some cash in there. And you got your graduation gifts. You got it all squared away. <laughs> no, absolutely. It was the perfect gift. And I'm glad that you oh, took well, the time to transcribe it from your off the stage to the slides to the book I'm 10 glad. years ago well, please give him my best and say that he's got the best and i got the best endorsement today from that <laughs> fact. you're so awesome thank you so much austin for coming by the bbp you are welcome anytime as well thank as your you, lovely you. wife and your boys <laughs> i will tell them you said hi i will <laughs> Thank you, Balance Bowley listeners, for staying tuned with us. If you are not familiar with the show, make sure you subscribe, rate, and share so other people can get access to these wonderful balance tools. And especially this episode, I am geeking. I am not a fangirl at all, but I am like so excited to have had Austin Cleon here. So thank you. And of course, make sure you pick up one or multiple of his books and share with all the artists 
the creatives, the entrepreneurs. There's so much good stuff, not just for quote unquote traditional artists in this book. Make sure you pick it up at a store that you can walk to near you. I'm Nikita Renthigpen, and until next time, I want you to enjoy the balance of your day, but do it boldly. Oh,